This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. And welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark, And me, Colin Hopkins. As Northern Ireland faces a six-week lockdown from the 26th of December, we face no Boxing Day fixtures and a question mark over when football will return in the country. We're going to do our best to give you our thoughts on that at the start of the programme. And then coming up, we will be hearing from Linfield's Connor Pepper and Glentoran's Dale Gorman. The score with Michael Clark. It's a difficult time, certainly, and that's why we're starting the programme discussing it today, because it's certainly not a position, Colin, when all this kicked off way back in March that we could have imagined we'd still be trying to get through it now at, at this stage of the year, could we? No, I think obviously when the start of all kicked in in March, it was a bit of a shock to the system for all of us, but I think we were all optimistic that. But then a few months we might be able to move out and come out the other side. And for a while there it did look like we were achieving that. But unfortunately, things have seemed to have slipped back again. And we're, to a certain extent, back to square one in the early March, which is certainly no good from a sporting viewpoint. Coming up later in the programme, you're going to be able to hear interviews with a player from Linfield, a player from Glentoran. We recorded those on Thursday. Very much looking forward to Boxing Day fixtures and thinking about uh, the Big Two derby and indeed all the derbies that uh, we basically wait for. They, they make our Christmas. There's an argument here, and I've got a little idea maybe to share with you in a few minutes of, of how we can still kind of salvage some of the magic from that. But, Colin, just how big of a blow is it to not have the Boxing Day, the traditional fixtures being played on Boxing Day this year? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the energy viewpoint, it's a massive blow. The just started getting things getting up and running, sort of at uh, the interest levels start to grow again. People can start, obviously, you know, in their own gender numbers, going back to games because they've obviously been limited. But, you know, the interest levels have been growing. You can see the league start to take shape in terms of all the sides and so forth. But so, all of a sudden, they lose what is probably the, the biggest games of the year over Boxing Day as a massive point. And certainly will not do the local game any good whatsoever from the public aspect of it. And this was where actually a lot of questions were raised about why the Irish Football Association bothered going ahead with an Irish Cup draw, which I guess now, looking at things, there'll be questions asked of that, and we'll know more in uh, well the, the next couple of days, I suppose, and there, there's suggestions that the Irish Cup at the moment is not an elite competition. It was confirmed uh, they're going to, I would imagine, try and get that changed because they want to get that played. Uh, this is all going to have, you would think, a knock-on effect. So, why the rush to get the draw on the day that the announcements were coming out? Well, it's difficult at the end of the day. The draw was probably planned, you know, a bit further in advance. And then, obviously, the announcements were going to be made. I mean, there's been a lot of things happening local football. I mean, obviously, the Premier, uh, Premier and Division League Championship were all due to start at the beginning of January. That's based on you know where the situation was a few weeks back. 
and I'm sure the IFA probably put their draw on probably at the same sort of time scale, thinking yeah, everything's going to be okay. But things, unfortunately, this last few weeks haven't been as good as they looked, and the sort of that sort of that knock-on effect. So I think the, the league has been right to sort of go ahead and organise things, but obviously this has now came in as a as a major roadblock, and it's certainly going to ask you know sort of major questions to how you know the competitions can progress on from this. And indeed, you know, this is our last show of 2020. We didn't want to be talking about negative things on it. We wanted to have a bit of a celebration. We want things to look forward to. And the conversations to come in the programme will be of a lighter nature. So please don't think it is all doom and gloom on uh, this final show of the year. Um, And we will in the new year assess where football is at. We'll be back at the start of January. At least we can say that, I guess, uh, to to, to survey the landscape at that stage because there's no point getting ahead of ourselves and, and predicting things when uh, we don't know the full lay of the land yet. But what I was thinking with these fixtures, why not now look at a, an opportunity and say, right, let's not rush to reschedule the Boxing Day matches. Let's actually hold on to those and try put them towards the end of the season when possibly more fans could get in because it was going to be a shame to have a Boxing Day scenario where there was only going to be home fans and in limited numbers. Let's use this as an opportunity. I know it's so upsetting for everybody. I know it's really disappointing. And believe me, it's a huge part of my Christmas too. Um, as much as I, you know, in, in normal years, love the, the gatherings of friends and family, I want to be at a game on Boxing Day as much as any supporter does. But let's maybe use this as a chance now to have a, an occasion, a celebration with football fans back in the grounds. Let's not rush into this set of fixtures as soon as the lockdown period ends. Let's actually try and schedule it towards the end of the season and make it something special. What do you think? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, Michael. At the end of the day, but nothing worse than rescheduling these and just sort of like a Tuesday night and a, at the end of February or something. Well, it should be a good point for some of the teams. But you know, if, there, if there's a chance, I mean, we'll know better you know, the next number of weeks, but if there's a chance, certainly if football returning to some sort of normality, you know, before the season is it's, it's it would make more sense to try and play these these big teams, the games the sport is all that forward to, let's try and hold them to a position or a point in, in the calendar where, you know, there's more chance to get more people in and making a real big event of it, and like a celebratory return at some point in time for a game, but uh, certainly we'd like to see those games played sort of the middle of Tuesday night at the middle of February or something like that, you know, but down to the league at the end of this. Yeah, it most certainly is, and look, as much as the additional coverage has been great, the, the streaming and you know that includes the clubs putting on their own streams, that is all very much welcomed in the circumstances we're in, but nothing, absolutely nothing beats being there. So if we're going to take a blow here, if this is the greater good and it's going to protect people and help people, and I know people listening today will have their own views on that, let's not even try and get into that. Um, because we're not going to be able to change the decisions that have been made. Let's actually try and make sure that what we can control is done well, and that would be the, the scheduling of fixtures. So if we can't play these Boxing Day games, let's put them in a place where maybe we can actually get more spectators in, where the numbers might be increased, where more people can enjoy those matches, and people can finally have something to look forward to. That's my uh, two cents on the issue, and I'll leave it there. Hopefully somebody, the powers that be, are listening in their offices today and thinking, or maybe working from home, I suppose, and thinking about doing uh, something sensible like that. What we can say for certain Colin Hopkins is that 
we have two cracking guests on the program today and we're going to hear from them now. We'll do the predictions. We know two games postponed this weekend, but we're going to look at those predictions shortly. First of all, we can start our interviews. And since it is our last episode of the year, I think I've got a good idea who to talk to first. The score with Michael Clark. Yes, it is the last episode of The Score 2020. And since we're in the festive season, I thought it was only appropriate we got a man on who loves cards. Uh, Connor Pepper, welcome back to the show. How's it going, Ollie? <laughs> You'll take that. Referees don't need that introduction at the beginning. No, well, look, I'm getting, starting to get used to it. I think early doors, I think they just they didn't know me quite yet. Just, I'm vocal no matter what. So um, I think. Now, they're not as bad. They just try and have a little bit of a conversation with me and we're good to go. I'm still not far off another suspension now, but uh, I think it's more for my feet, not my mouth this time. <laughs> Since the last time you were on the show, a lot's changed with you and in the world. How have you found lockdown and everything that Cheers brought along before we talk football? Yeah, well, look, it's the same as everybody, I think. Um, just starting to get a bit frustrated and they're getting used to being at home. Um, lockdown for me, actually, look, I'm not saying I enjoyed it, but it was kind of like I do, I do a lot of traveling, obviously. Well, I've, I've moved up to Belfast now, but I was doing a lot of traveling up and down to Belfast and just everything that goes on. And then obviously football being my job. Um, it was nice to actually just sort of have three months off. I don't think any footballer ever really gets that. I know that's maybe a, a different take of what other people usually say and the, oh, the this and the that. But I actually quite enjoyed it. The weather was good. I was with my family every day. Uh, luckily enough and, and thankfully enough we were still on furlough I wasn't, wasn't missing out too bad financially so it was just kind of nice to sort of just reset and then just be ready to go with everything that's, that's come after that then really How did you find moving to Belfast? Uh, all good it's very different to Dublin obviously I think some, some places in Dublin someone can text you and say oh I'm here or whatever and you, you type in your maps or you know where you're going and it's 40 minutes away 50 minutes away and it's still in Dublin whereas in Belfast I'll be texting some of the lads or I'm saying, I'll meet for a coffee here. And then because I don't know the area, I do put it into my maps to see where I'm going. And I'm, I'm never more than 10 minutes. So I enjoy that. I'm not really, I'm not really one to just be, to be going around the place. And especially because I was doing all the driving, I never wanted to get back in my car other than going to work. So um, it's been a nice change. And I, I, I do like it up here. I'm enjoying it. My family like coming up as well. And get, I think everything's a lot cheaper up here than it is down south nowadays as well. So, <laughs> They've been, they've been enjoying coming up and getting a bit of shopping done as well before Christmas. The other big difference, and it's not the time of year maybe for it at the minute with everything still going on, but in Dublin, if you leave a club, you'll always get a taxi. Not always true in Belfast. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that's just everyone's used to, to drinking club, drinking and all that sort of stuff after that day. I think it's the place to be. I think everyone goes to Dublin for a weekend and they can't really remember what happened anyway. So <laughs> You end up in one of those little horse and cart things? Yeah, well, no, they've got the little bikes now, don't they? You can get two oh, people yeah. back of a bike and some fella. He just, he just gets you across the city in no time at all. Uh, that's uh, the way to go. Um, I'm not sure that's how you're going to get back and forth to train in Willenfield, but... Um, <laughs> well, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm quite close. I'm, only, I'm just near the Lisbon Road there, so I'm not too far from the stadium and that anyway, so it's all good. Oh, very good. Um, how have you found yeah. the move to Linfield? Obviously, uh, there was a lot of talk about it, given the nature of the, the club you played for and the club you moved to. Yeah, I think there was murmurs of it coming out and then things in the paper and obviously and stuff like that. So I think people sort of started to get an idea. Um, 
look, obviously it was going, it was, <laughs> it was going to upset some people and, and whatever. Look, I have my own reasons for it. Um, it was something maybe I was looking at maybe moving regardless whether it was the Linfield or not. It was just something I was looking at. Um, but then once I'd obviously spoke to the manager here and and things like that, it was it was definitely something I wanted to do. The size of the club, the history of it. Um, it's something that a club that obviously when you come to Northern Ireland it's some, one you hear a lot about or you've played against them and you see you see what what the, what the place is about and then to be honest like since, since I've come in the door um, it was everything I expected it was everything I wanted really as well so I can't I can't say that nothing's been bad um, I'm just looking to obviously play as well as I can and, and bring something to them now and, and, and bring as much as I can to the team and and hopefully we can go on and, and, and continue to be successful. At least with reduced crowds, you don't get the same amount of abuse. <laughs> yeah, well, look, we play again the horn, obviously, and there was no, there was just our own fans in. But look, I think that's part and parcel of the game, to be honest. I think I get stick off every single set of fans, no matter what club I was at. Um, so that sort of stuff's not been too bad. It, and then on, on the flip side, it's been annoying that I couldn't really, I haven't really been able to sort of play in front of the big crowds of. of of our club and especially when they go away from home they travel well and, and that sort of stuff so I'm, I'm missing out on the good and the bad so look the, the sooner we get everybody back in the better um, especially for, for every football club not just not just ours and myself How did you find betting in period then obviously moving to any new club is a different experience? Yeah yeah um, I, I didn't actually know many people here either so I think sometimes a lot of time in football you know maybe one or two or where you're going and, and it can settle in a bit easier obviously I had Nav then who came with me so it, that was obviously a part of it that was easier and then the fact we were in Europe to be honest I think the couple of trips away to Switzerland and Poland and things like that staying in hotels eating every meal together spending like sort of whatever it is 14, 16 hours a day with the players was was making everything a lot easier just because you sort of had to sit next to someone at, at lunch or breakfast or whatever it was, have a chat to them. We've we done, done bits and bobs. Um, and then, because it's been hard, obviously, with COVID, the, the restrictions, and we, we've sort of not been in dressing rooms very long. You know what I mean? And that sort of stuff, those little bit of sit-downs or where you're sitting with people is, is where you, you would usually have got that. So if, if, if the club wasn't in Europe, I think it would have been a lot harder because we're literally just showing up to train and training and then getting back in the car to go. There was no sort of 20 minutes before and after training and all that sort of stuff. So um, I was actually, I was, I was pretty grateful for the European trip to sort of get to know everybody and, and get used to things uh, as it went along. And David Healy, what's he been like to work with so far? Great, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I met him before I had signed um, and... I was. He was one of the main reasons to come. Obviously, um, he's had a great playing career, but obviously, I'm I'm there while he's my manager. So, um, he he's been very good. I, I appreciate so much when a manager can look at you in the eye and just tell you the truth. I know that seems like something small, and but things like that don't always go on. So, um, the fact that David Healy can sit down in front of me and tell me what he thinks or or whatever is coming out of his mouth, no matter what topic it is or no matter what it's about, I know he's just being genuine and honest with me, and and that's all I can ask. So. Um, as long as I'm so, like I said, I just want to go back to playing well and give them, give them back. Then, this, like I said, this club needs to win games and, and win trophies. So I just want to be a big part of that, and, and hopefully we can continue doing that. And after a bit of a bumpy start in terms of the European uh, journey, the the league. Um, granted, okay, I know obviously the Lauren result wasn't the one Linfield were hoping for, but it's been a very strong start to the season. Yeah, look, I think 
as well i think it's because we're getting sort of to christmas time already people maybe as well think we we're, we're so far into the season we're not i think towards 11 games 10 games it's still 28 to go like i think it's it's still only the start of the season really um we we started well i think we won what did we win six in a row or maybe one six drew one obviously the one point one was at this point one and the land, but I don't think it's time to panic or time to think, oh, we need this or we need that. It's, it's just about sort of getting to a level where you feel like you perform well, try and get through this Christmas period now of, of staying and performing well. And then, like I said, I don't think anybody's really going to look at look at how serious the table or, or things look until maybe February, March, because I think we'll probably be only be halfway then. Um, so I think just right now, it's just about can we get to a level where we feel like we're performing well and, and sort of drive us on from there. It's been a, a time, obviously, where a lot of people, a lot of clubs have struggled with consistency. And I, I take that all the way to the Premier League. You look at some of the results yeah. uh, that we've already seen. How are Irish League clubs coping with that? You know, how, how do Linfield kind of prepare you when when uh, other clubs with bigger resources are struggling? Yeah, I, some like some of it's going to come down to the players themselves. Like I think everyone in our group looks after themselves, prepares properly. They've got a good mentality. So... There's a, we're still trying in sort of the same way as what, what we always would have. Um, but just maybe I think the thing that's going to be most important is when we have to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. I think everyone in the league is going to, to find out what their squad is made of or or what the players can do in that sort of period of time. Um, there's still been a lot of Saturday, Saturday things, which is pretty normal for most clubs. Um, obviously then the no fans thing but I think the main thing is going to be when we have to cram the fixtures because of the backlog and starting a bit later so um, I think that's going to be the big the big factor sort of in, in how the league looks when it finishes then come May time Is there anyone in the dressing room this is a, a player question I'm sure you'll just love to answer is there anyone that surprised you because there's one thing coming up against someone and battling someone and then actually you know well not sharing a dressing room at the moment but you know what I mean yeah, well, obviously we'd have played Linfield before and things like that. You, you know, you know that most of their squad is decent. I, I just, I don't. I, obviously, I could pick out one or two, and there is as well, like Kirk Miller plays in front of me. I've been so impressed by. It. I've never obviously been in on his side of the pitch with us both being right sided or whatever. Um, J- Jimmy's a leader. He's a really top top centre back. Myself playing next to Hawks, Quinny. Like I can literally go through everybody. I think just I was more surprised about just the level of the whole squad like I, I, I maybe feel about bad by leaving names out because I could literally go through all them Stevie Fallon Kyle McLean you know what I mean I, I could just do it but um, I, I was very impressed by the level of training and all when I came in it was definitely a step up the, the quality and the standard of player is much higher so I think we just as long as we're sort of demanding of ourselves and, and keep the right mentality we've got a really top squad there so um, it's about can we can we go on and everybody play well every week if we play at our best every week I feel like there probably shouldn't be many teams who can match us. So, um, like I said, I don't want to be disrespectful and just sort of go through everybody individually. But um, I think collectively, the whole place has impressed me. Um, I just want to pick out Stephen Fallon because of the names you've mentioned, they maybe get more credit than he does. And, and yet, to me, yeah. he's, he's a really exciting player. Yeah, no, he's a he's a great lad. He's kind of quiet enough, so he, he just. But when he's out there, he just he goes about his business. He, he, you know what I mean? He, he, there's never there's there's never there's barely any negatives about him. He works so hard. He's technically very good. 
he, he drives us on. He, he, he just does everything that you, you want him to do. And like I said, he doesn't get the credit, I think, maybe because he isn't a bit louder. Usually, or he's not, you don't see him in the papers. You don't see him doing different bits and bobs. He's a real top player. I think, I think obviously, being away, he, he has more than enough chance to go back away as well. Um, so I think he's not underappreciated by us at all. You know what I mean? I think maybe that's more from fans or press or whatever it is that, that don't appreciate him. But it's not like I think our dressing room really know how valuable he is. And oh, he's been out injured at the minute. And that's a big miss. I think we've got a lot of injuries out, especially with the Lion game that no one talks about. We've got two goalies out injured. I'd miss the game. Stevie had missed the game. Nav missed the game. Chrissy had missed the game. I think we have seven, seven or eight players to probably come back into the squad now. And the sooner Stevie's back in the squad, the better for us. Speaking of your own injury, um, bit of a ham, hamstring complaint. Where are you at now? Are you are you ready to get back in and playing? Yeah, yeah, all good. I think it was just like I said, it was more precaution. Um, I think we had a couple of hamstring injuries, especially with Stevie. Stevie had one, came back in, it re-injured. Um, so I, I was feeling that. Like I came off at the end of the Clifton game, Cliftonville game with it. Um, tried to get through some training sessions and it still just wasn't right. So I think it was just more important that we probably only just miss one game rather than the next four, especially over the Christmas period when we think we have to play the 26th, 29th, 2nd, 5th. So there'd be no point in trying to force it through one game so early in the season and then potentially miss a month. So it was more just a, a precaution thing, but I'm, I'm good and ready to go and hopefully the gaffer thinks I can go back in there. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess those run-ins are going to be the, the making or breaking of, of any team's title challenge, aren't they? Yeah, the Christmas period's always like that, isn't it? I think you just have to play so many games, especially, I think, psychologically as well, because with, say, you play four games in 10 days, the league can look so different after 10 days. Like, that, there's whatever, 12, 15 points to play for over that period. Um, so, like, we can be four points behind, we can be further behind, we can be further in front. Nobody really knows, and especially over a, a, such a small period of time, it can just completely change your mindset. Of of squads or players or whatever managers whatever you want to call it so it's so important that we're sort of we're ready to go through them and everyone's fit and and, and we we can perform. In terms of sort of moving forwards, well, Enfield, where do you see being your your long term position? Because you kind of got this versatility tag to your name now. Yeah, I think I've sort of carried that everywhere. So I think it was more from Scotland when I played with Morton. I think I started started the game in every single position or something like that, but. I came to obviously Glen Thorne as a midfield. I played wide sometimes. Um, but I, I probably played my best football at right back when I was over in Scotland as well. And, and I've not really moved from right back um, with Linfield. I know the gaffer had said it to me, look, maybe if things are going certain ways, it might get shifted around. But I'm enjoying it. And like I said, there's quality in every position at, at Linfield. So I think it's more important you just nail down one. It's not, obviously, it's, not, it's probably nice for a manager to be able to move players around and I know there's a lot of players who can move around like Quinny's done left back left mid and centre mid for us and, and things like that so I, I just want to just sort of nail down something make sure that that's my position and, and I'm playing every week um, like I said Hawks and Kirk are deciding it I think they're making my life a lot easier um, I can just focus on what I need to do and how I can help the team and, and then sort of and then go from there so I'd like to just nail down one and play every week and then and then hopefully that means everything's going well I think it was said on commentary when I was watching in the Lauren game about Niall Quinn, the fact that it shows you how important he is because even if he's not playing in his normal position, he's always playing. Yeah, he's got great quality. Um, I think sometimes it's obviously it's such a different thing. I know people don't think about it. 
that way of going from left mid to left back, you know, you're always supporting the play from behind. You, the runs are different. I'm talking more of an attacking threat here. It, it does look a lot different when you're when you're actually moved up one. I know that doesn't seem much, and Quinny's got a good brain on him, and, and he's technically very good. Uh, you probably could play him anywhere on the pitch, and, and he'll be fine. And, and the gaffer appreciates that as well. It was an unbelievable pass to Shane. Like I mean, he done it two touches or something, didn't he? One touch out of his feet, and then just the the shape of ball around the centre back like that. That's real quality. That's that's as good as you're going to see on the TV and in, in any league you watch. So. He's so important for us, and, and <laughs> I hope you can keep doing that every week. Yeah. There's no shortage of goal scorers in the Linfield team either, but I'm sure Shane Lavery's confidence uh, doing the world a good with the start he's made because there's so much expectation on him, obviously, knowing where he's been already. Yeah, well, we actually have the same agent, he and Shane, uh, David Campbell. So I actually, I've, I've sort of spoke about him or, or been listening to him from a different voice sort of before I came there and I'd ask how he's getting on or, or whatever it is like that. Um, so I kind of knew a little bit about him before I came. But like you said, there is a lot of pressure on him. Just, I think, some, getting a cap like that or whatever, it's nearly added more pressure onto him when it shouldn't. That was a great achievement and it, it's like more of a reward for how he's been doing. Not now people looking at him and saying, he's got an international cap, he should be doing this and he should be doing that. It, that's not what it is. He was being rewarded for what he had done. So, um Look, he's a good lad. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He walks hard, and it, it'll cut like he's so young, twenty. Do you know what I mean? His, his best football is nowhere near now. I think when you get to twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, people start to judge you and say, "Where are you?" But now it's just about learning, and there's no better manager as well with with the goals and and the career that David Heaney's had. So to be getting to be getting sort of those little tips or feedback from him every week, and Andy Watworth's great with him as well. Andy's obviously at a different stage of his career, but but we'll speak to Shane, talk things through him, and again another fellow whose stats are incredible, really in the Irish league. So he he's got good people around him, Shane, and and he'll he'll be fine. Like with obviously the way your move came about, you know your old club Glentoran were celebrating an Irish Cup win, and I'm assuming you weren't at the party. Um, what? No. <laughs> What's the? Does that kind of drive you on to want to win an Irish Cup this season? Because you know, does that feel a bit like the one that got away? The way things worked out. Um, I don't know. Look, things were. I wouldn't like. I'm not saying tough or something like that. I, did, I just by the end of it, look, I, I kind of knew what was going on, and I knew where I was going. I knew what was happening. Um, the last six months of Glentoran won't like. I, I, not just the last month. I didn't really play any football from from sort of January time. Um. I think I played when there was maybe a couple of suspensions or um, or I think because we signed so many players or whatever it was, there was maybe some things there. People were cup-tied and things like that. So I probably would have played in the cup, to be honest. But um, by that point, look, it's great for the... I, I still speak to a lot of players there. I'm friendly with them. It's, it's football at the end of the day. I'm doing what's best for my career. And they all appreciate that too. I was very happy to see my friends go on and win something like that. But like I said, I came to Linfield to win trophies. And this 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 club demands trophies the fans demand trophies um, and the players the players demand it of themselves so I fully want to go and win it, I think it will mean more for me now because I feel a part of the squad um, I want to I feel like I want to win everything that's like I said I, I had other offers to go elsewhere maybe I had one one or two things going on elsewhere I'd met another couple of managers um, but the, the draw of that sort of expectation to win I've played with clubs in Scotland that like Say Inverness or Glen, um, Morton and things like that. In Scotland, it's a it's obviously a bigger, bigger pool. So you are the sort of 
I'm not saying middle of the road clubs, they were good clubs, I enjoyed them, but there wasn't sort of an expectation to go and go and win every single week you play. Can you that there's a bigger picture here? Whereas I wanted to see I've obviously got a sort of aspirations to maybe manage and coach in the future. And that that's an experience now. That's something that I haven't had before to play for a club that want to win everything all the time and that was something I just really didn't think I could turn down I maybe if I went elsewhere and I and Linfield went on and won trophies would I have been in the background looking going ah, that could have been me um, and I, well, I was never going to turn that down so I'm, I'm glad I made that decision and like I said yeah now so if I, if I go and win trophies here that's that's what I came here for and so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Last time you were in the studio, we talked about your coaching journey, and, and obviously it's still something that you're you're very passionate about. Where are you at now? Have you have you sent any badges since the last time you were in our studio? Uh, yeah, that would have been like two years ago, probably now, wasn't it? Yeah. So I, th- I I've finished my A license now, so I'm I'm quite I'm for, I'm further down the road. I think my next step would be a pro license. I don't think I I take I don't think you're really going to look at that until you're maybe further down the line and you maybe got a job yourself. Um, it's it's just about I think hours on a pitch or gaining as much experience as you can. I think getting the badges out of the way early just means I can concentrate on the smaller things and think about it differently. Maybe as a manager or look at how things are done rather than focus on just passing these sort of things as you go. Um, so getting them out of the way was very good, um, and I'm I'm glad they're done. So now I can just sort of like I said, take things in and think about them a little bit more rather than just think about oh that's how you pass that or there's lot hours to be logged on a pitch or because there's so much more that goes on than just sort of maybe a couple of things between the lines um on a coaching session that's obviously important and it's hard but that's a different job isn't it? i think a coach and a manager are two different jobs and i don't know which one i prefer now so like i said now that's what i'm saying i can just sort of look at things see what they are and then maybe by the time my career ends i know exactly where i want to go with it Obviously, you're going to hope it makes you more coachable too. I know from the minute I started doing radio, it changed how I listened to radio and I couldn't help but thinking, what are they trying to do here? What's going on here? And sometimes it spoils a bit of the fun. I mean, as a player, are you going, why is he setting us up like that? Or or can you filter that out okay still? (laughs) Yeah, not not really like sort of with our own team. Like I wouldn't disrespect our own manager like that. Do you know what I mean? I just... Do as I'm told, yeah, no problem. Yeah, like if he if he told me to just do something, that I, I I'll just do it. I just go, yeah, no problem. I'll do that. Like, I think it's more on a Saturday or I'm sitting with the lads, and I I was a big Liverpool fan, but I've nearly come away from supporting anybody. I'm literally being that busy. Someone would say to say like I'm watching the game and seeing how they're playing or how they're doing this or what player does that or why is that man? You know what I mean? And I or I more look at managers so. It's kind of like stopped me from supporting a team because I'm watching a football match. I'm trying to break the thing down. Um, so I think more like that, like my mates would be sitting there and they're standing up or they'd be filming a, a different thing. So I think that's where it's, and it's probably, it is the same as you. You're listening to this and you're listening to that or whatever it is. And you, you don't, I don't think you, you tell your boss, or, well, it's different for you. You are the boss or whatever. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it, it's just more like that where I probably watch games on the TV a bit differently rather than, tell them I think my manager is wrong or right John that way that's uh, that's how I feel when I'm explaining that the VAR decision is correct the friends <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So you're, you're like, like I know yeah, this is wrong you, you but get that right. it doesn't matter how many times you try yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a strange world out there now when you're actually defending VAR I'm not saying I particularly like it but you know sometimes it is right and people just don't understand the application yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I watched one on the telly last week there with Champions League, and it was one of the Minamino goals to Liverpool. And the, the guy, the P.O. Walton, I think his name was, the referee, comes on the screen, and he goes, look, I have to respect the decision there now, but uh, I don't quite know. <laughs> and then when, when the referees are coming on, you're saying that, you're just like, nah, finish with it. No, when it's hairline, I can, re- I can just I can just moan at a referee in this league and and say he's wrong, so I don't have any of that. <laughs> well, you would do no matter whether I give you permission or not, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I tell you what, you picked a bad time to stop being a diehard Liverpool fan. They're actually doing really well. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, look, my my man scout, funny enough. So my whole family, a lot of my family's from Liverpool, so it's always going to be around me and and sort of that sort. Uh, so. Look, I'll always be looking out for their results probably first. I just don't think... It, do, it just means if Liverpool lose, um, my weekend's not ruined. I suppose it's probably even a bad thing. Like, uh, No, fair enough. Uh, look, it's been great catching up with you. Thanks very much for coming on to the show. No problem. Enjoy it, as always. Yeah. And uh, just wishing you and yours a very happy Christmas, Connor. Yeah, you too, Michael. Nice one. Thanks very much. The Score with Michael Clark. Always good to hear from Connor Pepper and find out how he's settling in at Linfield. You'll be able to watch that interview in full from 2 o'clock on my YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, it should be up there already. So if you want to, you can go and watch it. Also available on that channel will be my interview with this man, another person I was able to catch up with virtually on Thursday. He plays for Glen Torin. And uh, I know his dad quite well, but I haven't spoken to him before. It's his first time on the show. He is Dale Gorman. I began by asking him how he's finding his time at the Glens. Hi, grand. I um, suppose I'm all settled in now and um, the games have started up. So just getting into the flow of things and uh, no, I've settled in all right. Because it's kind of funny. It's like, do you still say new club? Because you've been there long enough, but the way this year has been... I suppose you do, um, but no, it's been a, like you said, it's been a weird, weird old year. Um, but thankfully, now we're sort of coming to the end of it, and hopefully, things start to change around now in the next few months. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say it hasn't been exactly the start of the season the club would have wanted. Um, a, a little bit bumpier than maybe predicted. Um, what's that been like for you as a player? Um, I it's been sort of frustrating, I suppose. Um. You know, coming coming back, I suppose we have a lot of we have we have a lot of new players and a lot of a lot of different options. Like, and it, it, it takes time, no matter what sort of no matter what sort of team you have. Like, you know, um, but uh, start of the season, it's uh, it's been it's been frustrating, you know. Um, but I suppose there's not much we can do about it now. You know, it's happened and um, games have happened. Um, down to us, I suppose, to turn things around. Um, you've seen some glimpses of what we can do. You've seen some glimpses what what we can't do. Um, but hopefully, all together, um, it does start coming into play um, consistently. Because that's the main thing. I mean, there's no no point doing it one week and not doing it the other week. You know. Um, I think that's that's something we're sort of looking to focus on at the minute. Sort of bringing a bit of bit of consistency in this, like you know. And picking up, picking up a string of results instead of one or two great results and then a bad result, and then you know carrying on to the next one. 
obviously it's a team game and I do want to talk about your teammates, but individually, it looks like in the last few matches you've really hit your own stride. I, I have to be fair. Um, I'm actually enjoying it. and um, sort of, I think when you're, when you're playing football and you're enjoying it, it gets the best of you, you know. Um, I mean, I suppose I'm probably probably getting up to full fitness now and feeling sharp and confident and um, I've sort of I've sort of been playing a bit higher up as well which I haven't really done uh, in my career so far so I'm actually enjoying that aspect of it too um, sort of that not, not so much change your game but sort of add things to your game that you probably don't do on a game to game basis um, and no like I said I'm enjoying it, sort of that sort of creative Mindset sort of come into me a bit, and um, I'm starting to create chances for others and create chances for myself. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it, and, and I'm doing pretty well at the moment, thankfully. It's obviously something that your manager and the coaches have seen in you. You didn't sort of take a wee bit of a nosebleed being in and around the 18 yard box as opposed to further back. Oh, well, <laughs> normally, normally, in the last few years, I probably would have, but um, no, like I said, it. it it takes me it takes you a bit of time, I suppose, to adapt into a new position. But thankfully, I've adapted quite quick and um, actually feel quite comfortable in there. So um, no, I'm quite happy with how it's going at the minute. And like I said, I just I sort of take every game as it comes because I think if you if you look on to the next game and further on and sort of set objectives and I need to score this many goals and need to set up this many goals, there's no point because you've just been unnecessary pressure on yourself. Like just. You just take a game, game by game, and sort of try and enjoy it. Like I suppose, you know. Yeah, uh, getting a goal in a cup competition against Cliftonville, obviously nice to get yourself uh, off the off the running, I guess, and get your first goal for the club in a competitive game. Is that something that, uh, that the manager's looking at? Maybe trying to get you in in amongst the goals a bit more. I definitely. Um, like you said, it was good to score, obviously, um, early on, um, but not. The, the manager and the coaching staff sort of emphasise um, me sort of getting shots off um, as much as I can. Um, I do a lot of work personally and training myself in a way, um, a lot of extra work because it's something that probably previously I didn't do enough. And um, as a midfielder, if you can if you can add goals to your game, um, it sort of helps you a lot, like down the line. So um, it's something I'm definitely um, focusing on the season and. Um, I suppose working working as hard as I can to try and make that happen. Because when I've seen you play, Dale, you know you're not afraid of taking free kicks. You know even at previous clubs or, or with the under twenty ones in Northern Ireland, you scored a few nice goals from long range. So it isn't something completely alien to you by any means. No, it's not something probably like you said um, that I'm not used to. But um, it's probably just been sort of stats wise. You know you look at it and. You think well, he hasn't scored enough goals, or for a midfielder, he needs to score more goals. So it's something I'm definitely focusing on a lot more this season, um, and sort of the assisting aspect of it as well. I mean, I don't really remember sort of that many times creating a lot of goals. I mean, you'd sort of be involved in a lot of chances and be involved in a lot of play, but uh, obviously playing a bit deeper, it's sort of hard to hard, hard to sort of. I suppose get get that sort of assist, and um, I've been focusing on that as well, and sort of practicing my deliveries and changing up sort of techniques of what what's the right thing to do. So, um, 
no, I'm, I'm bringing that into my game and I'm starting to create a lot of chances, like like I said, deep rollers, and um, I'm enjoying it. Like, Well, now you're getting to kind of play with the shackles off a little bit as well. You know, maybe in other teams right. in the past, you've been given a set job and, and that was all you had to do. Aye, definitely. Um, I suppose, like you said, there is, you sort of, you know, when you're, when you're a bit younger, you sort of think, I need to do this, I need to do that. Um, instead of just going out really and just playing a game of football, like, sort of putting too much pressure on yourself. So I'm sort of trying to take that, take that sort of mindset away from myself. And I suppose as you get a bit older too, you sort of grow into what you're, what you're used to and what you're good at. So um, thankfully I'm starting to do that a bit more and a bit more consistently because um, I think that's something I probably didn't really have um, was consistency when I was a bit younger. Um, and a lot of young players do struggle with that and it's, it's, it's sort of hard, but um the main thing is as a footballer is you have to be consistent and thankfully I'm, I'm being quite consistent at the minute. What about your teammates then? There's obviously a lot of talented boys in there. There's a lot of new signings as well. Everyone just trying to, I guess, get settled in at the same time as you are. I, um, I suppose there's a few people like me on the same boat um, settling in a new club. And um, like you said, there's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of talent there and a lot of good players there. Um, but... Well, we've got a lot of good footballers and that can only stem you for the long run, you know. Um, we've got a good squad there, good uh, good group of lads, and we all get on. So, um, I mean, I, I think things are going to start coming good soon. So, let's hope I'm right. Um, do you think you've got a, a preferred centre midfield partner, you and Gail Bigger-Romana? I've seen, obviously, they've played quite a few times in there together, but uh, there's other options too. I there's there's loads of options. I mean, the last few weeks I've sort of played with, sort of played with everyone in there. I've played with uh, Gail, like you said. Um, Hervoy came back Saturday. Uh, Kieran O'Connor was in there before he got injured, um, and then obviously Cricky's been in there as well. Um, so no, I mean we've got a lot of options in midfield, and like I said, the probably the last four or five games we've played has sort of been someone different. So um, there's your there's your options, like you know, and that's your. That's why you have a squad. So, um, no, everyone's everyone's um, everyone's got their own sort of ways of playing and their own sort of different techniques, and um, it's good to sort of play with different people too. I suppose sometimes and change it up a bit. And we should mention Hervoy, obviously, because he had that injury way back in January, and for him to be back playing competitive football again, it's fantastic to see because he's such a big part of that team, isn't he? Ah, he is. I well. Uh, I wasn't here obviously last season but the lads have told me sort of what, what he brung last season and sort of what he contributed to so when you have a player that, that is out injured obviously and that brings that brings that sort of goal um, goal threat to your team um, you want a minute I suppose and to have someone like that back now and sort of building them into the games and stuff uh, it can only be better for us I suppose like when it comes to your football, obviously everyone will know uh, your dad because he was an Irish League legend, Tony Gorman, someone I've been lucky enough to work with. Uh, who's who's scarier to deal with when you've had a bad game? Mick McDermott, Paul Miller, or your dad? <laughs> who's who's going to give you the worst or the, the, the harshest advice? Nah, I'd probably say dad, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you don't really, when you have a bad game, you know yourself. And um, when you just, let's, let's just say, when you come in the door, he doesn't really say much to you, like if you have a bad one. But he doesn't really say much if you had a good one either, so it's hard to, it's hard to know when you have a good, good or bad game. 
But you know what? That's maybe a good thing because he knows, you know, the the highs can't be too high, the lows can't be too low. So just keep it even. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and as a player as well, you know yourself. You had a bad game, or you know yourself, you had a good game. And um, I mean, he he watches the games, um, so they'll tell me little things and little things he's seen, and sort of more uh, more sort of stuff that I need to sort of work on, and instead of you done well, you know, so. And uh, he's uh, no, it's good to have good to have someone like that too because it's part of the more help the better. Like, he definitely knows his football as annoying as that can be for a son to listen to sometimes. I don't say, I'm not saying too much more about him. <laughs> um, it's like talking about him. <laughs> the first time I saw you play, um, here I guess because obviously I'd seen you across the water, but was with the Northern Ireland 21s um, under Ian Barraclough and, and that incredible campaign, which obviously um, people still look back on very fondly. Um, I've spoken to several of your teammates from that squad, but I've never spoken to you about it. I was just wondering how special a time was that for you in your career and, and what made that team do the things that it did? Uh, I was, first of all, it was a great campaign um, from start to finish. Um, we had... We had some very good results in it, like, um, and we, we, uh, I'd say, you know, you know, the the main thing was probably we had a good team spirit. Like, we had probably lads that it was that sort of ninety six age group was the was the sort of age group, and then you've got your younger lads that come through then and uh, and play with you, like. But we had a lot of lads in that team that have been playing with each other since they were sixteen. So it was probably the first time in probably three or four years that we all got back together and playing together. So from, from minute one, we sort of knuckled down and we just thought, let's just, let's just give it a crack. Like, and, um, Ian Barclough, he was, he was very good with it to be fair. I mean, he, he didn't sort of come in and, um, almost change everything, you know, it's just sort of, he sort of had a lot of trust in us, um, to, to sort of get on with it ourselves. And, um, it was just a good. It was just a good relationship, and um, like you said, we did so well. I mean, I think we were two points, two points off Spain, who um, actually went on to win the tournament in the group stage. So, and we actually beat them as well out there. So, um, listen, we had a good team, and we had a good, good belief, and we knew we knew how to play, and uh, we were set up the right ways to play against certain teams. And um, probably looking back on it now, that's probably helped um, the national manager that that we did did so well for him and he did so well for us um, to sort of help him progress now and move to the senior squad and because um, that, that can go both ways, you know. If he if, if that doesn't go well for him, I mean, he might not um, sort of be, be the, the senior manager as quick as he as he has done. So, I mean, it's good to see him now step up and um, hopefully start showing what, what he can do and bringing it to the senior squad and hopefully they start doing start doing well in major competitions and uh, qualifying coming up. It just shows you as well how many good players there were in that squad and it shone a light on all of you guys but too because it's funny you're saying you know, it was like the 96 age group um, being born in 1990 I think when I looked on and see Liam Donnelly with that beard I probably wouldn't have believed he was a 96 age group. <laughs> uh, well Liam, Liam's, had that, Liam's had that beard since he's about 14 now so uh, <laughs> We're well used to that. Um, no, like you said, we had, we had some great players and um, a lot of lads have 
that have sort of gone different different ways in their career so far. So um, now we had a good team, and like you said, we had uh, we had a good campaign. Like, yeah, most certainly. Um, someone obviously who was a team of the years this season, but unfortunately now ruled out through injury. Bobby Burns as well was part of that. Aye, Bobby was part of that as well. Um, he's been unlucky to be fair. He's he came back on loan, and they um, he was starting to look fit and get match fit. So. Um, I mean that's obviously everyone knows the bad injury. Um, but he's uh, I've seen him in there. He's he's working every day. Um, already he's out of his cast and he's walking about in the legs. So um, ah, speedy recovery. Them like and I'm sure he'll get back better. It's amazing what they can do. Now I was saying this to him because I've broken my tib on my fib separately. Obviously he unfortunately right. did it at the same time, and he's yeah. he's walking. You know, and there's no uh, cast. Incredible. No, he's walking about there. He's he's walking about and he's um he's in doing rehab in the gym and stuff like that. And he was on the bike actually the other day, so he seems to be seems to be taking over quite nicely at the moment. Yeah, no, good to see. And speedy recovery, obviously, uh, to him as well. Definitely. Uh, yeah. In terms of the Christmas running, because obviously spectators, fans love it. The Christmas running is, is is hectic, and that's where you can you really get a, a bit of a run of results going your way. A couple of good games for Glen Torin here, and you could all of a sudden be talking about you know fourth, fifth in the table, and then who knows how much further. Definitely, um, like you said, the fans love it, and I suppose if I was sort of not playing and I was a fan, I'd love it as well because. Some big games coming up, um, starting with Balmina on Saturday now. Uh, and then we move on to, I guess, Linfield, Cuttingville, Port of I think we've got over Christmas. So um, some massive games and uh, I'm sure the fans will love it. But as a player as well, it's some big games to look forward to and I'm definitely looking forward to them. Well, I was going to say that as a player, do you love it? Because, you know, whilst, you know, all your friends who aren't footballers are having uh, very big Christmas dinners and maybe one or two bottles of whatever, you're having to be a lot more disciplined. I well, I mean, I'm used to it now. I've been sort of, I think this is my first Christmas back here in about seven years. So um, I've, I've used to being sort of over there by me, um, by myself, preparing for the game on Boxing Day and um, two or three days after Boxing Day. So, um, no, definitely. I love it. I love it, especially um, especially Boxing Day. And games are great, and um, especially the one we have this year. That'll be a different sort of. That'll be a different Boxing Day to what I'm used to. But um, no, I'm looking forward to it because obviously being younger and sort of going to watch them games and remembering them games uh, to play in it now is something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, and it must be special to be able to, to, to be a part of those matches. And obviously, I mentioned them, but your dad's been a, a part of so many of those as well. So it must be a nice thing for your family to go. You know, it's uh, it's, it's still going, this tradition of, of a, a Gorman in a big two derby. Hi, well, a few of them will be saying that. I don't know about, I don't know about everyone. <laughs> but um, no, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I'm sure they look forward to it too. It's just a shame they probably can't. Can't get that it because it'll be at the uh, it'll be at Windsor Park this year. So, um, well, I'm sure one of them could probably get into it, but he'll not be. Uh, I don't want them there. Like so, um, <laughs> we'll look forward to it. Like I said, so yeah. No, well, there's obviously uh, lots of games to go. It's going to be a really interesting season, and and just with the the Irish Cup. Um, draw um well as we're doing this we're recording it ahead of the draw we'll be talking about it later on the program not to confuse anyone how these things work but um you'll obviously be hoping for a favorable draw and a bit of a cup run being the holders aye definitely um 
I mean, we'll, we'll we'll obviously have a look at the draw, but um, you obviously want the you want the draw to go your way, I suppose. And like you said, being the holders of a of a cup, you don't want to be throwing that away easy, like so. I mean, we'll, we're in this tournament now to win it, um, and we'll be looking out for the draw. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, maybe we have other players for Institute, so I'll take Institute and get a kick at them. Nice. That's, that's it. I mean, at least you're honest as well. That's what you want, really, isn't uh, it? No. Oh, I'm sure he wants it too. <laughs> well, those 50-50s growing up, who would come out on top of them, if you're honest? Uh, well, it would always be it would always be me against them too, so probably I'd probably come out first and then I'd, I'd be in the ground getting a good thump like so. <laughs> Well, I, I wasn't sure who I wanted to see get drawn out of the hat, but now I think I do. Uh, Glenn Farnes, there you go. There's your there, draw. There you go. You've heard it here first, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Dale, thank you for coming on to the score. Great talking to you. No problem. Hey, thanks, Michael. The Score with Michael Clark. Fantastic having him on the programme. That was Dale Gorman of Glenn Torren. Now, as we know, First of all, they didn't get Institute in the Irish Cup draw. Glentorn have been drawn against Dundella. I'll quickly run through the round of 32 as it stands. And we have to appreciate that, you know, this is due to kick off next month. Who knows what changes might come between now and then. But as things stand, Queen's University, Bangor, Warren Point Town, Ballyclare Comrades, Ards versus Dollingstown, Coleraine against Crusaders. Looks like the tie of the round. Glenavon, Dungannon Swifts, Harland and Wolf Welder, St James's Swifts, Institute PSNI, Knockbreda against Newington, Bambridge Town are away to Loch Gall, Balnamallard United are at home to Dergview, Cliftonville face Port Stewart, Anna United are rewarded with a game at Linfield, Larne are at home to Newry City, Glentoran and Dundella meet at the Oval, as I've said. Ballymena United take on Portadown in another all-premiership fixture. And Carrick Rangers have Belfast Celtic. So three all-premiership ties, including that Mid-Ulster derby between Glenavon and Dungannon. Those matches due to take place on the 9th of January. But we'll need to see what way the Irish Cup is shaping up from then. And, and this is because there will be no sporting activity in Northern Ireland between Boxing Day and New Year's Day under the new COVID-19 restrictions. It's part of a six-week lockdown in the country, as announced by the Stormont Executive on Thursday night. Elite sport can resume behind closed doors from the 2nd of January. It calls into question whether the Championship, whether the Premier Intermediate League, amateur football, junior football, what happens to all these people, all these leagues across the country. And it doesn't look like it's going to be good news, I'm afraid. And I want to be ending the year on a high note. And unfortunately, I just can't dictate the way these things have fallen or played out for us. So it's uh, disappointing news. But behind closed doors for elite sport from the 2nd of January. And as things stand, the Irish Cup isn't elite. So will those games that I've just told you about happen or happen when they're due to? All eyes will be certainly on the Irish Football Association and what uh, conversations they're going to have and decisions they're going to make in the coming days but that's the lay of the land at the moment and um, I almost feel like apologizing to you because I know you'll be so disappointed that uh, things are going the way they are but we can't help them let's close out the program it's a bit of a bumper edition we're going to uh, 
another 10 or 15 minutes we can uh, squeeze into this one so we can bring back Colin Hopkins to talk about this weekend's fixtures and give his predictions and even that Colin hasn't gone smoothly unfortunately because as we now know two games this weekend have been postponed the Friday night game which was due to be between Carrick Rangers and Crusaders and Portadown against Larn, which was a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday that's all related to two positive coronavirus tests that have come out of the Crusaders camp They've obviously followed all the health and safety procedures, notified the relevant bodies, and that means that now their match and the game involving Portadown, who they played last week, both have to be postponed whilst the players self-isolate. So, unfortunately for those clubs and for those sets of supporters, they don't get one last game before this lockdown kicks in, but it's obviously good that this was spotted and identified before those matches were played, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. Uh, on health grounds, it was perfect. Obviously, not perfect, but I mean, it was the right decision. Let's put it that way, to be honest, you know. Um, so it's unfortunate it's happened, but it's better, obviously, find out and sort of nipping it in the bud at this stage in time. As you have said, the scores are a bit disappointed, not getting a, a final hurrah, but unfortunately, it's just the way things are. Thankfully, it hasn't sort of developed any further at this stage in time. So fair play to the clubs and the clubs are taking sensible decisions when they needed to be taken. What that does mean is there are four games that go ahead, and we're going to get your predictions on those in just a minute. But I think it's worth giving Crusaders uh, credit for their performance last week. Much more like what you would expect from them, really. 5-0, the victory over Portadown, and a really standout performance by Adam Leckie when he came on for the injured Jordan Owens. Yeah, no doubt about it. Crusaders have sort of quietly went about their business uh, this season. I mean, there's been one or two difficult results in there, but overall they've been doing very well and they're only a couple of points now behind Linfield in second place, so slowly but surely sort of keeping themselves in touch and who's to say they can't be in the running come, come the end of the season. As you say, a great performance last week. Adam Lackey now really maybe starting to settle in at CV after maybe a difficult few months initially, but I think we all know the potential and the, the, the quality of a player that he is, and if he really sells in, it really boosts Crusaders moving forward from that. It makes things interesting. One point behind Linfield, five points behind Larne now with the same amount of games played and they'll be hoping a lot of games to go. I guess with everything going on at the minute, some people are now wondering, should we just double check we've dotted the I's and cross the T's on our curtailment plans? But yes. um, I guess that's one for the new year, Colin, isn't it really? Yeah, well, one step at a time. At the end of the day, let's you know get these games out of the way, and this is when the cruisers come back and come back. But yeah, it'll uh, disappoint. It'll be disappointing not playing this weekend. But at the end of the day, things have turned out. Hopefully, they can they can rebuild again once they can get back playing again come January. And Lauren, as I say, top of the tree um, for the time being. Well, they will be now for Christmas, even if Linfield uh, are to pick up points on Saturday, the way things uh, look to be going. So. Their game um, against Linfield at Inver Park, obviously there was a big talking point in that. David McDade wasn't sent off, ended up being the star turn on the night. What were your thoughts on the, the decision to not show him a red card? Well, in hindsight, it's, it's it's easy to make judgments, to be honest. I mean, I watched the match live. I didn't really see much in the tackle, to be honest with you. And play went on. It was only after the sort of the half-time analysis, and you were seeing it from multiple angles and all sorts of slow-mo and so forth. You thought, hold on, well, he's quite fortunate to be on the pitch. And probably he was, to be honest. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the referees don't have access to all that live, live information there on the, on the spot. They have to make that decision. I didn't say anything wrong at the time, but... Uh, referee probably did get it wrong, but at the end of the day, you know, these things happen to be honest. Um, and have made for analysis, but probably wouldn't have picked it up at all. But as you say, he went on to make a, a big difference in the game. 
Uh, you know, Tom obviously have to turn the game around, and I think Lauren have certainly proved now that they are a force to be reckoned with. I mean, I've often said that if you're going to win the title, you have to finish above the infield, and they've proved last weekend that they certainly have the capacity to actually do that because the season was on. It was a really, really good performance by Lauren as well, and that's something that we've said pretty much every week. That is why they are rightly on top of the table as things stand. Now, let's get into the happier waters of games that are going ahead. Um, there are three taking place at three o'clock, and then there's a half-five game, which we'll talk about in a little minute. But we'll start with Linfield, since we just mentioned them. Linfield against Dungannon Swifts. Good opportunity for them to bounce back, would you think? I think the perfect opportunity for them to bounce back. I mean, they have to bounce back, let's be honest. They can't afford to have any more sort of caps opening between them and Lauren at the top of the table. Then feel very disappointed, obviously, have lost two of their last three items against Lauren at one point. And it's important that they keep themselves right in that title race. Um, but I fully expect that they will bounce back. You know, against the Gannon side, who, let's be honest, are struggling big time at the moment. I mean, a couple of decent results here and there, but a couple of absolute pacings in there as well. And I think the lack of goals for Dungannon this season is it would probably be a major concern. You're not scoring goals, you're not going to win too many games. I think they've only scored seven or so so far, which is pretty disappointing from their sort of return. So that'll have to improve. They're going to improve their situation. In terms of the outcome of this one, I really can't see beyond a Linfield home win, to be honest, in terms of that one. Dungannon doing very, very well to get anything out of this match. And if that is the case, then they're going to go into the Christmas period really, really looking up and being a little bit concerned as to what the future holds for them. Dungannon suffered a heavy defeat last weekend at the hands of Balamini United. They had led 1-0 going into the break after Carvel's penalty. In the second half, David Jeffries' team really turned it on. Shea McCartan got a couple of goals uh, as uh, McElroy scored one as well. It was a, a really, really you know, strong response after a first half they were far from happy with. How will Balamini United fare now against Glen Torin? Everyone's talking about them because they've just signed Reese Marshall. Obviously, that'll be... Um, effective January in terms of when they can get them out on the pitch but uh, a brilliant signing for Glenn Torin but they haven't been brilliant up to now they showed what they can do against Carrick Rangers last weekend with a six goal win and then struggled again midweek so Palomina and Glenn Torin last week and got amongst the goals but is this going to be a game with a lot of goals or what way do you see this one going? It's a tough call, this particular one. I mean, Bellamina, uh, after a pretty up-and-down start of the season, have now really found their feet and have started to you know, put the foot in the metal in terms of moving up the table, currently sitting in fourth position, which they'll be absolutely delighted with at this stage in the season. Glentorn, as you have said, they're somewhat inconsistent. I mean, last Saturday against you know, Carrick, they had six goals, they looked like world beaters, uh, and all of a sudden, then Tuesday night, Warren Point, they, they can't break a, a stubborn Warren Point side down, to be honest, and get up the three points to really move them back into that top half of the table. So it, it's a tough game to call us. I think maybe Palomino with the home advantage and with their, their own support behind them cheering them on. So I have a funny feeling they might just nick the result of this one here, but we'll, we'll see how it pans out. But it's certainly not going to be an easy game for Cantorin to go to the showgrounds and pick up all three points. Palomina fourth at the minute, a win would all of a sudden put them back into the sort of territory they were in a couple of years ago when they're wondering could they be really pushing at the top half of the table, which um, you know you can't get too excited about yet because equally a defeat would see them start to go the other direction. It is very tight in that middle ground. And with Glen Torren having played a game less than them, they have 10 points at the moment, so they're six points behind Palomina in fourth, but with a game in hand. A couple of wins and, and quickly Glen Torren could be, you know, scaling 
the league table too. So um, it's a tough time to really know what way things are going to find, you know, finish up because they haven't really settled yet. You know, like you say, that sort of mid-ground has been you know, very, very congested at this moment in time. A winner or two here, and all of a sudden you're finding yourself at the top half of the table and a defeat or two, and all of a sudden you're struggling down the lower echelons. Uh, Glentoran really need to put a run together of, you know, of constant wins if they're really going to move up that table. But in terms of Balamina, as you say, currently sitting in fourth. If the table's finished tomorrow, I'm sure they'd put the light of a fourth, whereas the likes of Glentoran will probably be considering their investment, I think they could be, would be disappointed with fourth, but a lot of football still to be played, but definitely there's going to be a lot of a lot of changes over the next number of weeks, I suspect. Yeah, that, that middle of the table area, it's kind of like running up a sandy dune, isn't it, at the minute? Very hard to get your footing. Um, okay, so you're leaning towards Balamina there. Um, Just in, in the other three o'clock game, it's Warren Point against Glenavon. Warren Point, to their credit, have uh, been very good. So far this season, got a point against Glentoran, had done so previously against Lorne and, and in between times had beaten Linfield. So it's a, a sign of the, the calibre against the so-called big clubs, what they can do. What can they do against Glenavon um, and how do you think this one's going to go for them? Well, Warren Point has proved this season, to be honest, the surprise package. I mean, we all expected quite possibly that they were going to be the whipping boys once again in the league, but they've proved, you know, Beyond the shadow of doubt that they have improved massively. You know, Barry Gray's night together side, which is very, very hard to break down, as Glenn Torn found a deal the other night. And even Coleraine last Saturday, even against nine men, Warren Point struggled to break them down, had to wait injury time to get that eventual winning goal. So Warren Point will be encouraged. Um, they're certainly moving, moving forward as a club and sitting a sort of mid table at this moment in time. Once again, if that was a final position for them, they'd be absolutely delighted. In terms of their opposition, they haven't have been up and down a little bit, but it's been unfortunate with some of the decisions that have been made against them over the last number of weeks. And I know, obviously, from Gary's viewpoint, he's ready to come out and said, obviously, this team needs to sort of find more consistency in terms of, you know, which games they're actually performing in, because he's a bit concerned they're, they're lifting the game in certain matches and then sort of losing that sort of standard in, in other games. So he wants to find a bit more consistency. So when they do play well, they're a very, very good side. I think we both know that. Uh, and when they don't play well, they're not such a good side. But I have a funny feeling that could end up being the draw of the week, this particular one. But uh, we'll see how it turns out. But I mean, I think that might find Warren point again hard to break down. I'm not sure if Warren point of enough really to get the full three points, but it's surprising if it turns out to be a draw at the end of that one. One interesting bit of news coming out of Glenavon um, from this morning was that they've re-signed Sammy Klingen until the end of the season. Um, obviously, former Northern Ireland international had... Uh, Featured for them uh, quite a lot in, in recent times, 19 goals and 61 games, um, as, I, as I skim over their press release from earlier. And essentially had a, a calf injury at the start of the season. He's come through the rehab and now they've been able to say, right, we can, we can give him a new contract here. So um, he's actually available for the Warren Point game. So right. uh, you could be seeing him after his injury come back straight into the team and with quite a few injuries at Glenavon at the minute Peter Campbell Michael O'Connor I think are both out and there's still doubts over McCluskey and Perkis so this is a, a very timely introduction for a very experienced player yeah very much so yeah I'll certainly a lot of experience to that Glenavon team interesting he's obviously been brought back on board I mean they've said they've signed him now and he's going to be available for the Warren Point game is that mm. Is that outside the window? Is that within the window? I'm not just trying to get that around my head on, but it, it, certainly it's, I think it's permitted um, in the sense of he was probably a free agent. Right, okay. So I, I would so. imagine what happened was at the end of last season they were due to sort his contract out and he had an injury. 
that, that, that's as I read the statement. I'm not 100% certain. It's a it's an interesting one, but their words, we've re-signed him until the end of the season, and um, they've been talking about keeping an eye on him due to the injury that he's had over the last five or six weeks, but they're now in a position to sign him, which obviously means he was effectively let go, and now they're able to bring him back. Interesting. Well, at the end of the day, I'm sure they've done their homework, and I have no doubt that I will be 100% professional in what they're doing in terms of this. And just on the on plan, Alvin, obviously, we also have to say congratulations to Gary Ham himself, who this, this week has sort of celebrated his ninth year in charge of the club. I can see he makes him the second, is it possibly the second longest servant manager in their history. So, fantastic achievement there by Gary, and well done to him and obviously his backroom staff for what they've achieved at Alvin as well. Yes, here, here. He was very popular when he was on the, the station in terms of, um, our, our podcast figures at that time way back in January, almost a year ago now, incredible, and we'll be putting out on social media in the, the coming days and weeks some little Christmas catch-ups, which will include that one, so please do check those out in case you missed any of our sit-down interviews back in the days when we could bring a guest in and sit in with them in their company for an entire hour. My goodness, um, what seemed like such a simple pleasure, Colin. Exactly. We didn't expect to see all this in a few months' time, but we are where we are. We move on regardless. Yeah. So uh, with that one then, what, where are you going again? Sorry, Warren Point in Glenavon? I can see that being the draw of the week. Draw of the week. Ah, yes. Uh, how could I ever forget? We love at least one. <laughs> and at half past five on Saturday, Cliftonville Coleraine has all the makings of a really exciting game. Actually, it's going to be streamed live on the BBC as well. But will the cameras get the goals? Well, that's uh, going to be a decent game. Whenever Clifford will take on Coleraine at Solitude, to be I fully expect this will be a, a closely fought encounter as well. Coleraine have struggled, obviously. We, we know that before the start of the season, a lot of us are sort of tipping them to challenge for the title itself. And all of a sudden, they're finding themselves right down towards the, the wrong end of the table for whatever reason. Um, I know there's been a few injuries in there, but they just don't seem to have the, the same appetite or the same the same sort of uh, skill that they had last season. I mean, last week, as I've said there earlier, I mean, took the sort of 93rd minute winner or something against a nine-man Warren Point team to get the, the three points and maybe sort of put them back on track a little bit, but they really have struggled. Cliftonville have been a bit up and down, though. We prefer to say that they've played most of the big sides in recent weeks, so that's been a bit sort of a bit harsh in the end, to be honest, but it's a chance now for them to really sort of really start moving things forward a little bit, and they've been a bit inconsistent so far, but at home, though, obviously, will always be a force to reckon. I think the last time out, they were easily dismantled, put it down at Solitude. Personally, I can see this one here going the way of the home side, mainly because it is at Solitude, and they're used to something. It's, it's very, very difficult place to go to get a result. Heading into that game, only Dungannon and Carrick Rangers have lost more than Coleraine. They've been beaten five times, as have Cliftonville, who they're about to face, and poured it down on the other side. So uh, remarkably, after only nine games, it means Coleraine have already lost more games in this season than they did last. And it means that you could combine the defeats suffered by Larne, Linfield and Crusaders and arrive at the same number as Coleraine have suffered on their own. And uh, that's that helped by the fact Larne are still unbeaten. Um, so, yeah, not not good reading if you're Oren Kearney. Lots of time to yeah. turn things around, but as we said with Glenn Torin, you feel the same could be true with Coleraine. That title picture um, maybe just looking a little smaller for them now, a little harder to reach this time when you see the start that other, others have made. 
yeah, I think it's, uh, I've seen at this early stage, I think the title is beyond probably, and I can't see the sides at the top slipping to that sort of amount, even if Colerain were to put a fantastic run together. Unfortunately, it just looks like the exertions of Europe for them, which were so good at the time, have just maybe taken their toll in terms of the actual league season itself. So I think it could be a long, hard season ahead for Colerain. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to say they're going to get relegated and anything like that, but I think in terms of chasing for title and like that, I think those, those days are behind them and they'll probably just settle for top top six position coming into the season. Okay, Colin, thank you as always for your help and indeed your help throughout the year. We can now sit back and, and have a bit of a Christmas break, really. So, um, as much as we'd rather be at a football ground and, and none more so than you and I, um, uh, the way fate has dealt us this hand. We're just going to have to inflict ourselves on our families. <laughs> well, it's looking like that, but uh, just on, you know, on behalf of myself, obviously, just say happy Christmas to all the listeners, and just thanks for once again for their support, for the score, and indeed to yourself and your family as well, Michael. Thank you very much, and the same to you and yours. Yes, thank you everyone for listening, tuning in throughout the year. It has been brilliant to have you on board, and we will be back in 2021 with more local football discussion, debate and interviews. Until then, have a very happy Christmas and a safe and peaceful New Year. Bye-bye.